The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Striving, as always, to be your public radio source for the information and motivation you need to start or build your own real estate investing business. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has its last meeting of 2015. Where did the year go? Tomorrow night at the usual location, the Community Action Agency building in Bond Hill on uh, Langdon Farm and Reading Road. Uh, This is the annual networking event and best and worst deals of the year contest. That's always a fun one to get to come and just hang out, meet people, get some food, and then listen in as your fellow tri-state real estate investors compete in the categories of best deal of the year, most creative deal of the year, best deal by a new investor, and of course, the coveted worst deal of 2015 award. That one's always hard fought over. Some great, great stories and great education come out of that one. I have two of those awards on my shelf. Yep. Two, two worst deals of the year award plaques. Uh, in any case, you can find out more about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And if you're a Cincinnati RIA member, don't forget that the uh, wholesaling subgroup meeting is tonight. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com as well. Uh, our topic tonight is one that's probably somewhat overdue in covering. And it's about transactional funding, uh, which is a term that, I don't know, people sort of know what it means, but I get so many questions that uh, tell me that, that people don't fully understand what it means until they have gone out and used it. So I've pulled in the best expert that I know on this topic, Dwayne Ortega who is the founder of besttransactionfunding.com. They have been doing transactional funding for close to 10 years, which is about as long as that industry has existed. Um, he is out of uh, the North, North New Jersey area, so uh, he's not local here to Cincinnati, but I understand that his company has experience lending in all over the United States. So... Uh, seemed like a good guy to come and explain to us what this stuff is all about. Joining us from his home in New Jersey is Dwayne Ortega. Dwayne, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, I'm glad, glad, to, glad to have you because 
I, I, you must deal with this more than I do because, you know, you're in this business. But people are always coming to me and saying things like, hey, I need to rehab a deal. How do I get transactional funding? Or uh, I've got a wholesale deal, but I don't have a buyer for it. Do you know anybody who does transactional funding? Which sort of tells me that they don't quite get what it is. So why don't we why don't we start out by you just 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 define it for us what when when when, you, when someone says transactional funding what are they talking about um generally for transactional funding um one would need it for one day back to back closings and and what is that that is um a back to back closings are performed in order for real estate investors to earn their wholesale fee for their time and effort it's basically a flip deal. So in order for someone to flip a transaction, they would need to first buy that, uh, that or fund that first deal and then sell it on the second transaction. So it is a common mistake or at least a common misconception that transactional funding covers hard money as well, but it's not. Transactional funding technically is only for wholesale flips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a it's a one it's a it's a it's a one day kind of loan, and I and I think that's where people get confused is they think somehow you're going to hand them money and they're going to go buy a house and then they can just sort of take their own sweet time about who they sell it to, and that we're going to go through the whole process here after the break, but that's just that's just not the way it works. So let's just start by getting that out of the way. Now, the next thing is, um, you know, I've been in this business a long time and I've looked at every kind of money that one can get one's hands on. And it is my perception that transactional funding didn't really come about as an industry until sometime in the last maybe 10 to 12 years. And I, I know that there there was a specific market need for that that caused it caused it to happen. But uh, can you, can you talk a little bit about why the industry even exists? Yes, um, transactional funding, not the industry, but privately, has been around since the late 1990s, from what I know personally. Um, but that was mostly done by private investors. And it didn't really come about until probably 2008, 2009, where it swelled as an industry. Um, and that came about because of the short sales uh, that was popular at that time. Um, so because short sales needed to close first with the buyer uh, on the buyer's name and they can't be assigned, uh, then they would need transactional funding in order to fund that first transaction. So that's how the industry, I guess, burgeoned. Uh, during that time, 2008, 2009, and then uh, it, uh, it was at the height at, at around 2011, and then uh, it actually went down a little bit in 2012 and 13, and now is on its way back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some some of that I know came from some changes in the policies of certain lenders, uh, both in terms of their short sale deals. And in terms of their REO deals, where you know prior to that time, you could very easily put a put a bank owned property under contract and then assign the contract, and there was no need to get any money because <laughs> your your buyer got the money and brought it to the closing. Um, but around that time, banks started getting 
more and more interested in making sure that any money that was coming out of the transaction they got. And as a, as a result of that, uh, they started putting non-assignment clauses into their uh, purchase contracts. They started putting um, one of the requirements, you would get the short sale acceptance letter and it would say, one of the th- one of the things is you can't assign this contract, right? And so, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a brilliant all American answer to a problem, right? We see we see this hole in the market. People are willing to pay us to fill this hole, so let's start a business to fill this hole. So, uh, you know, there's 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 some there's some history behind this that uh, sort of explains why people are willing to pay to have money for one day. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about uh, what the process actually looks like, like like who needs hard money, uh, how would you know if you needed hard money, or sorry, uh, transactional funding, and then wh- uh, how would you go about starting that process. If we have listeners out there who've had some of these questions and would just like to ask Dwayne directly, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658, or you can send an email by going to our website, realliferealestate.com, clicking the Ask Fina a Question button, filling in your question, and remember to tell us where you're writing from. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dwayne Ortega of besttransactionfunding.com. And we're talking about transactional funding, obviously, and what it is and how it works and uh, when you would want to use it and when maybe you don't want to use it. 877-772-9658 is the number to call, or you can send us an email by going to our website at realliferealestate.com and just filling in the ask a question form. Um, now, Dwayne, the, um, uh, as we talked about uh, earlier, people are sort of confused about this whole transaction funding thing. And I'm guessing you get calls at eight o'clock in the morning from people you've never heard of saying, hey, I need some money by three o'clock this afternoon. And they expect that to somehow work. <laughs> so let's let's talk about what 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 the whole process might look like here. Uh, I'm a wholesaler. I think that there might be some deals that I'm going to do that are going to require me to close them. I don't have the money to do it myself. I want to get a transactional funder involved. At what point should I contact you? Well, ideally you should contact a transactional funder uh, within 2 weeks of your closing. Now, that would assume that you have both the AB contract and the BC contract. Now, as far as the AB, what that means, A means the seller, B means the investor or you, the wholesaler, and C means the buyer. So when I say AB, it means the contract or the AB contract, it means it's the contract between the seller and the investor or, or you, the wholesaler. And the BC contract is the contract between you, the wholesaler, and and buyer. So once you have those two uh, signed and sealed, uh, you contact a title company or a closing agent, depending on the state or the area you live in. Uh, So let's just say it's a title company. Uh, Then once you contact them and have a closing date, then you would contact a transactional funder and uh, tell us that, hey, we would need your funds for a certain closing on this day. Now, yes, it is common for people to say we need the money today because 
for some reason or another, their funder either backed out or they just found out that they need to close it separately or whatever have you. And it is feasible, conceivably, right, and, and we have done this, uh, to fund that day or the next day, but all ducks have to be aligned and all the stars and everything have to line up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is conceivable to do that. So I, that's it in a general way. Um, did I answer your question, Vina? Yes. Now, here's a here's a, a question that that just you know occurs to me with other like a lot of hard money lenders, which a, a different thing, and we'll talk about the difference a little bit later. But they say we can fund very quickly. You know, we can fund in seven days, fourteen days, something like that. But it's easier for us to fund if we already have had contact with you. In other words, in other words, when you decide that you might at some point need hard money, you might want to contact us and get a list of our, of our, of our ducts that we need in a row so that when you actually need the money, you can get that. Now, do you recommend that with transactional funders as well? Yes, um, definitely. If, if we know the title company or we've used them before, it definitely helps pass the battle because they know how we work. We know how they work. And uh, we're in sync. We're on the same page. Um, but if you don't know us or you haven't dealt with a transactional funding company, it's very simple. What we need from uh, the B investor is just a photo ID, the AB contract, the BC contract, and the proof of funds from the C and buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else we get from the title company. Mm-hmm. So like, just to recap, if you have dealt with us before or we've dealt with the title company or closing agent before that is definitely half the battle uh, because sometimes when you're new and you you uh, you I guess you fill out our funding request um, you might not be clear that hey we need uh, these documents filled out we also need the end buyers fund to be there before we wire all and then we also need only one closing agent versus two mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that we're on the same page on that uh, right from the get-go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are things that need to be put into place here. Uh, you probably different transaction funders have different requirements. So you know you you at very least better know. You better give them a call and make sure you know what those requirements are. And, uh, you know, have, have them lined up as early as possible for the simple reason that it's the transaction, fun, the transactional funder cannot do their job uh, without this information. So now we're ready to go to closing. So, so you know, let's say you're, you're up there doing your thing in New Jersey and I'm down here in Cincinnati and I've got this deal that's going to close. What is actually going to happen? I mean, I, don't, I know I'm not going to see it all as the wholesaler, but what is actually happening here? Uh, with the closing agent, uh, what we do is we, right from day one, we interview the closing agent. We make sure we're on the same page. Uh, we require that they give us uh, their uh, title, um, uh, their E&O, uh, their license, uh, their HUDs, the CPL, a commitment letter uh, for uh, title policy. Um, so we get that out of the way, and we also let them know that, hey, we have these things for the B investors to sign. For example, the loan agreement, um, the mortgage or note, um, if it calls for that. Um, and also that uh, we tell them that 
they can't disperse the funds until the following conditions are met. And those conditions are, uh, first, the end buyer has to be present in, at closing or has already pre-signed the documentation. Believe it or not, Vina, about a month ago, we had a client on the way to closing, the C buyer on the way to closing, fell down the steps, and he was hospitalized, and that delayed our closing. So thank God we had that condition there. But um, that's one of those conditions that uh, is a catch-all. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we, we make sure that the, the end buyer is there or is already pre-signed. Uh, we make sure that the money is there. Then we wire our funds, and then they close the AD, and then they close the BC. And then all funds are dispersed that same day. Mm-hmm. So it kind of all happens uh, not simultaneously, but as a as a machine that you know, boom, 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 boom. We know how this is supposed to go, and I know that when uh, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, sometimes people get upset and they say, "Well, it's the transactional funder's fault. They didn't wire the money," when in reality there was some condition there that just wasn't met. Correct. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today about transactional funding, which if you are a wholesaler, you are somebody who particularly works with uh, bank-owned properties, short sales, or you're just somebody who likes to double-close properties for one reason or another, it is a topic that you had better get familiar with because... Uh, it's uh, one of the those quick, easy ways to uh, get your deals funded. And uh, of course, there is a cost to it. And we will uh, be discussing that a little bit later, what those range of costs might be. But uh, if you have any questions, 877-772-9658 is the number to call. Or you can uh, send us an email. Just go to realliferealestate.com and send it through the Ask a Question form. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Do not forget that you can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. You can find there hundreds of past Real Life Real Estate shows uh, that you can download, listen to on your your computer, you know, whatever you want to do. It's all good. But also, you will typically find a special offer just for real-life real estate listeners, and you have the opportunity to sign up for our weekly e-letter, which always contains an article by or about our guest or topic, and what the show's about that day gives you the opportunity to ask questions ahead of time. It's all just very cool. That's realliferealestate.com. My guest today is Dwayne Ortega from besttransactionfunding.com, and we're talking about the apparently mysterious topic of transactional funding, although not mysterious to Dwayne since he's been doing it for 10 years. So if you have some questions about how this worked, um, how a deal that you were in one time might have worked with it, uh, maybe you've got something coming up that you think might work. Give us a call because he's the expert, not me, 877-772-9658, or send it via email to realliferealestate.com. Dwayne, we have a question that just came in from Zach in San Francisco. Zach says, the one thing I have never understood about transactional funders is how is their money protected? Is there a mortgage on it for 10 minutes? How, How do you make sure that you are going to get paid back? Yes. Uh, well, there are several uh, ways, or I guess levels. Uh, 
One, yes, you are correct. There would be a mortgage and a note on it for a deed of trust in the state of California. Now, uh, that deed of trust is not recorded unless something does go wrong. So that's one way of our protection. The other is that we use a trusted uh, title company or an escrow company to coordinate uh, the entire process, or at least we interview them and that we know that they know what they're doing. Uh, another level of protection, I would say, is is probably the best way, is to make sure that the end buyer's funds are in escrow before we wire, to make sure that that, is, that, that second closing is going to occur 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've got it in place in, in several different ways. And I think what you said about having the trusted title company in place is, is the thing that might be missing in Zach's brain because title companies are all supposed to be very heavily regulated. I mean, if they're, if they're like licensed title companies, they're pretty heavily regulated. And they can't just hand your money to the seller without uh, the buyer's money being there to pay you back if that is the instruction you've given them uh, because they'd be doing something illegal and they would lose their licenses. And I think a, a lot of folks don't understand uh, how heavily regulated escrow companies are and how how much they are driven by instructions that they are given by lenders. Correct. So let's get down to the uh, nitty-gritty that, that folks are, are probably really wanting to know and wondering why we waited until this long in the show to talk about. And that is, how much does this cost? Like, like I'm borrowing money for one day. I, I guess I'm, I'm probably typically, I imagine most of your borrowers probably borrow the entire amount of the purchase price to do this. What do I have to pay back? Yeah. Um, okay, so... Transactional funders typically cover 100% of the closing cost plus the purchase cost. So let's say the purchase price is 200000 the closing cost is 5000 The transactional funder would wire 205000 so that is the amount of, of borrowed funds. So um, as far as the rates, I've seen anywhere from 1.75% all the way to 6%. Um, depending on, of course, the company and how much you're borrowing. Uh, generally, under a million, you would have, you would be in the lower range, and over a million, you would be in the higher range. But I have seen six percent being charged on some lower range uh, value. So it definitely depends on the company. Uh, so it's anywhere from 1.75 to six percent. Uh, there's also uh, typically a processing fee anywhere from 395 to 695. Uh, so that would be for even the the lowest deals and and uh, beyond a million transactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's also minimums. Uh, some minimums are two thousand, and the other minimums are three thousand, all the way up to four thousand or thirty five hundred. Uh, so, for example, if the rate is one point seven five, but your transaction is only fifty thousand, there would be a minimum uh, fee charged from the company that. You're transacting with. So, for example, if it's twenty five hundred, then instead of paying one point seven five percent of fifty thousand, it would be twenty five hundred flat fee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to be clear, that is that that's you're not quoting an annualized rate the way a mortgage broker would quote an annualized rate. When you say five uh, percent, which is at the high end, what you're saying is if you borrow a hundred, you got to pay back one hundred and five that day. 
It's not it's not it's not five percent for one day out of three hundred sixty five. It's five percent that day, uh, which is another thing that I've I've heard people get confused about. They say, wait a minute, I don't understand why I had to pay back twelve hundred dollars because it was only supposed to be a three percent rate. Yeah, well, it's three percent for that day. Right for that day for those funds being used. Correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, that sounds like a huge rate of return. Like if you annualize it, I mean, if it's if it's three percent over three hundred sixty-five days, that's you know, three percent a day for three hundred sixty-five days. That is a lot of return. Why is it worth it? I mean, like 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 why for, for the for the borrower? Why would they give up two thousand, twenty-five hundred, three thousand, five thousand dollars of their wholesale fee to do this? Well, I think that the one of the top reasons is if they don't um, get transactional funding, then they won't have a deal. Everybody loses, especially the B investor. Uh, typically, our B investors profit anywhere from fifteen thousand to fifty thousand. So you don't want to be, I guess, uh, penny wise and dollar foolish about it. Too. So you know how you pay for attorneys or closing agents. You should it would be advisable to pay a transactional funder in order to close your deal. Otherwise, you won't be able to close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and clearly, I mean, you, there has to be enough money in the deal to afford this. If there's not, if if you're making a thousand dollars on a wholesale deal, I mean, I would question why you're doing the deal at all. But th- that may not be enough to handle transactional funding. Yes, uh, we make sure actually uh, when we receive funding requests that there is enough uh, in the deal. And if there isn't, then we would reject it and send it back to them, saying, you know, is this a typo? Is there, <laughs> is there another uh, buyer or what have you? So that we make sure that they make a profit so that it could cover our fee and also give them a healthy profit. If it's only a $300 uh, profit, it's not worth it to, to go through the hassle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, question from Amy, who is, doesn't say where in Florida, but she is from Florida. Uh, she sa- She's asking, are there any requirements in terms of credit, income, etc., for borrowing transactional funding? Great question. Uh, no, my answer is no, no, and no. There's no LTV, no credit check, no appraisal, no income verification. Um, it's easy approval, it's fast set up. The proof of funds are generally provided. And it's 100% financing on the closing cost in, um, in addition to the purchase price. We would cover the closing cost as well. Uh, so it's an asset-based uh, qualification, meaning as long as you have an end buyer and you're making a healthy profit, then we will fund you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you think it through, Amy, and you think through what, what he's been saying about you don't ever get to touch this money. <laughs> this money goes to the title company and the title company waits for your buyer's money to come in and then the title company writes a check to the seller from Dwayne's money and then pays Dwayne back from your seller's money. You understand why he doesn't care what your credit looks like. You you are not taking home this money. So that, you know, ought to, ought to help you sort of keep remember that. Um, so I always like to ask everybody who's on this show. What are the challenges of your business? Like what what things are you dealing with on a day-to-day basis that you just wish you could reach out and tell all of your customers, "Hey, this is this is making my life difficult." 
Um, most, well, we get this a lot. Uh, people apply uh, for our transactional funding thinking it's hard money, meaning they can buy six or hold and then sell. Now, what we cater to are the wholesalers who just buy and sell. So I, I, w- I think it would help if people can, could, I guess, categorize themselves. Do I want to buy and sell or do I want to buy, hold or fix and then sell? If they want to buy and sell, that's a candidate for transactional funding. If they want to buy, hold or fix and then sell, then that would be a candidate for hard money. So that's one of our challenges. Another challenge is um, uh, B investors wanting to close with two closing agents. That poses a, a pretty big problem because each closing agent for the AB and the BC, for example, um, are fiduciarily responsible or looking out for their own party, so they won't trust each other. So that's why we require one closing agent. Uh, the one closing agent, presumably one person having both sides, they would trust themselves and would know what the left hand is doing when the what and, and what the right hand is doing and would, would trust themselves as far as the money, did the money come in, okay? Okay, so now I know that the money's here, so now I can close the AB, then close the BC. While if you have two closing agents, it, it is a logistical nightmare, to say the least. And then you have to double confirm on both sides. And sometimes they don't want to do it that way. Uh, so that's our second challenge. Uh, a third challenge uh, is some closing agents do not believe what, that what we're doing is legal or are <laughs> interpreting um, the new trade laws in such a conservative fashion that they will not give us what we need. So, for example, we had a recent transaction that we had to refer to someone else because the closing agent said, oh, because of the new trade laws, um, we are not going to tell you what the, we're not going to give you the BC HUD because that has nothing to do with you. I said, well, I told them, we are an interested party. We are the payoff. We need to make sure we're being paid off. I said, oh, we can't do that. And that was the owner of the title company. And then I spoke with another power company, and I said, yeah, we'll do that. I think they're interpreting the new trade laws too conservatively. Uh, it is, the new trade laws are nebulous. Uh, I think purposefully so. Uh, and they said that they will have fees, impose fees, and all that stuff if they violate it. But, again, they're interpreting that too conservatively, and it, that's becoming a challenge. That was just recently, though. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question, Vienna? Yes, and, and, and that goes back to something we've said here on the show a million times, which is you, your title company or your attorney, your closing attorney, is an incredibly important part of your team and needs to be really carefully selected <laughs> to make sure that they understand investor deals. They, they understand how getting a... a, a transactional loan like this is different than getting a loan from Bank of America, you know, because the, 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 the new trade rules and, and we should, I just made a note that we need to cover that here on the show in the next couple of weeks, uh, really apply to conventional type loans. They, 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 a lot of it doesn't even apply to this sort of private uh, money transaction. So you get, make sure guys, Listen to me. Make sure that you know your closing agent and know that they are, in fact, investor friendly. Um, Can I just mention one more thing? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, important, uh, it's important that, that your uh, listeners know that, yes, this 
this funding is not conventional. It is actually commercial. We only lend to entities such as LLCs or corporations um, because we, and because of that, we are not subject to these uh, residential mortgages uh, or residential mortgage laws such as TRID or RESPA or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so please make a note of that. Mm-hmm. When you apply, you have to have an entity and all transactional, transactional funders that I know and all hard money lenders that I know only lend to entities because it is a commercial-based loan and do not fall under residential mortgage um, laws. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yet another reason to make it one of your goals for 2016 to make sure that you finally start that entity you've been thinking about for years and years, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investment, talking today to Dwayne Ortega from besttransactionfunding.com. We are sitting here ready to take your questions. All you have to do is call them in at 877-772-9658 or go to our website, realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest is Dwayne Ortega from besttransactionfunding.com, and we're talking about transactional funding. And Dwayne, my, during the break, I hit the refresh button on my email, and my email is full of questions for you. And just let me just let me warn you in advance, our listeners run the whole gamut from brand new investors to very sophisticated folks who ask some interesting questions. And one of our favorite listeners that asks those is JC from Las Vegas. And he would like me to ask you whether you can do transactional funding for note deals. So in other words, someone's flipping a note. Can you finance the purchase of the note so that it can be immediately resold? Uh, yes, we can. We've looked into it. Uh, however, we've never done one yet. Uh, so please uh, contact us when, whenever you want to do it, and then we'll work through it together. <laughs> Figure it out, huh? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. We have the question here from Jim. Oh. From Jim in Cincinnati. You know, I still what time of the year it is when you listen to the podcasts, because if Ina's like coughing and sneezing, it must be winter. And if she sounds, you know, normal, it must be summertime. Uh, Jim from Cincinnati uh, wants to know whether you, you can do transactional funding if someone is flipping in their IRA. And and I'll just uh, let me just say for the listeners that that just for some background, the reason for that question is that your IRA can, in fact, wholesale properties if it is a um, self-directed IRA, but you cannot personally sign a note or mortgage if your IRA is doing the deal. That's why Jim is asking the question, I'm sure. Uh, Yes, we can on a case-by-case basis. Uh, It would strengthen the deal if we are transacting with a closing agent that we've dealt with previously. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep coming back to that. It's almost like the closing agent is an important part of all of this. Um, We have another question here from Alan, who lives in northern Kentucky. He says, I don't actually do wholesale deals, but what I do do is sandwich lease option deals where I am selling to an end buyer who is getting financing. I've run across problems with this before with banks because many times they don't want to finance the deal when they find out I'm not on title. This might be a good way for me to get on title. 
is there any way to use transactional fundings to close a to exercise an option in the morning and then sell it to an end buyer in the afternoon? Yes, that's uh, that, that, that definitely falls in the category of transactional funding since you're buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lots of possibilities here and lots of good questioner, questions from listeners, and you can keep them coming. Uh, we've got about mm, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes left in the show, so if you get to realliferealestate.com right away and put your question in, we might actually get it before the end of the program. Uh, so, Dwayne, the, the other thing about Real Life Real Estate here is we don't, you know, we don't just talk about the sunshine and roses and beer and Skittles stuff. We also talk about the bad stuff in various industries and your industry, the transactional funding industry, uh, like every other one, I guess, um, has appears to have some fly by night type of companies in it. And the way that I generally end up hearing about them is that someone comes to me and says, I paid some large amount of money. I paid, you know, $2,000, $3,000 up front to this company that said it did transactional funding. And what I got for that was a pre-approval letter and like a guarantee that they would fund my deals. But then when I actually had deals, I couldn't get a return phone call. <laughs> there was no, there was no funding available. So, um, you you have to be aware that this is going on. Do you have any advice for people about how they might be able to tell the difference between like this is a this is a scam where really the profit model is I'm going to charge you two or three thousand bucks for a for a proof of funds letter, but I'm not going to give you transactional funding versus an actual transactional funder who's making their money off of the funding. Uh, right. I we actually recently had an experience of a woman who was victimized by a person in a certain state, um, and they paid 5000 for a proof of funds, and that person that she paid got the proof of funds from our site, <laughs> so which we didn't charge for. Um, so what I would advise is to call that number in the proof of funds to make sure that they're the same company um, as, the, as their contacts, first of all. That's one. Um, and I, I would say second is I would ask for referrals uh, from my contact uh, to see who they've dealt with before and to actually contact them and to make sure that they had a pleasant experience with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I would do would probably be um, going to, if that person has a website and they had do have referrals, Maybe contact those people uh, through Facebook just to confirm that they were satisfied with the transaction and they are actually a live person or not not a made up person. Um, and I, I would think lastly, I would I would investigate the company or that contact person. Uh, I would investigate his website, how long it's been there, how long it's been around, his company. Uh, maybe do some criminal and background checks if you have that capability. Um, I, I mm-hmm. think that's, that's about... Well, well, and I mean, I think you said something important early on here, which is that r- real transactional funders aren't making their money off of selling you that letter. I mean, you said that the, right. the, the typical upfront fee is to, 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 get a, to get a real transaction started, not just to 
be told, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do this for you someday, is only going to be in like the four to $700 range. So, you know, 1000 or 5000 or 2000 should be set off alarm bells all by itself. And that most transactional funders, if they charge anything for a proof of funds letter, it's it's just an administrative fee. It's not five grand. I mean, that, that in itself should be kind of a warning sign, I would think. Right. Um, yeah, most transactional funders do not charge for the proof of funds. Um, some do, um, but not in the 5000 range. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that, was, that, should, that should trigger some alarm bells. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I have another couple of questions that have come in here from listeners. This is from Anna in White River, Wisconsin. Uh, she says, I've had situations where I, I, I did need to close wholesale deals, but I really needed the money for three to four days. It wasn't that I didn't have a buyer. It was that the buyer was borrowing money from a hard money lender or similar. I had run out of contract days, but the buyer was going to be able to close sometime the next week. Is that sort of funding available because 3% sounds a whole lot better than 15% plus five points to hold a property for three days? Right. Again, that that is something that we don't do as, as a company, uh, but maybe other transactional funders would do that. But uh, I, I know that extended transactional funding, which is the case for this, basically you have an end buyer, but you're not closing on the same day. Um, so that would be considered, that would fall under the category extended transactional funding. Mm-hmm. It was tried... Uh, I believe in 2011, 12, 13, and 14. And then um, all transactional funders that I know of um, were were bitten by that and were hurt because the end buyer didn't come through. So unfortunately, that type of funding um, is now very few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we won't do that anymore. Um, so I think... The only way to do that is to find a bridge lender or go with a hard money, which is, you know, the four points and 12 percent for three, four days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or find somebody local. I mean, that's the, 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 the reason the reason that, you know, somebody in California doesn't want to fund a deal like that in Cincinnati or Wisconsin is because they don't know the property. They don't you know, they, they can't drive by, take a look at it, get eyes on it, know whether if they don't get their money back, it's going to be worth foreclosing on, all of that sort of thing. But I occasionally run across local people who will say, I will do extended transactional funding under these terms. And sometimes the terms are, you're not buying the house I am. Because I'm not, I'm not going to foreclose on you over this you know, $50,000 loan or whatever it is and take a year to do it. So I'm going to take it in my name. You will have an option to buy it back at what at what we paid for it plus, you know, whatever the fee is, 5% or $2,000 or whatever. And you've got that option for 30 days. And after that, it's my house. So I've, I've seen that sort of thing. And they, you know, people sometimes go, oh, it's, those returns are ridiculous. But I have to go back to if that's what makes the deal that makes you $10,000, then what are you complaining about? You know? Correct. Um, I just want to say also that... Um, we're fully aware, by the way, for example, in California, it takes about two to three days to execute a same-day, quote-unquote, same-day transactional funding. So in California, we do same-day transactional funding, but we do accommodate two to three days. Um, but again, all funds, 
all conditions are still the same, meaning the end buyer's funds are in escrow with the escrow agent or the title company before we even wire to make sure that both transactions will occur no matter what. Um, and yes, I, I uh, going back to you, what you mentioned, Vina, I have seen that as well. And also, earnest money deposits are also done that way, but um, I think that's going by the wayside too because they've gotten burnt as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an evolving industry. It's not a new industry. It's not a. It's not a particularly old industry, but it is a very interesting one, particularly for folks who are looking to wholesale and might need to close a deal. So, thank you very much for your time and expertise today, Dwayne. This is Dwayne Ortega from BestTransactionFunding.com, and we are out of time, but we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 